there and welcome to the Secrets of Organ Playing podcast. I'm your host, Vidas Pinkavichus. Welcome to Secrets of Organ Playing podcast number 67. It's Sunday, November the 6th, 2016. And today's guest is Dr. James Kibbe who is chair of the organ department and university organist at the University of Michigan. He also maintains a full schedule of concert, recording and festival engagements throughout North America and Europe, including appearances at the Cathedral of Notre Dame in Paris, Royal Festival Hall in London, Dvorak Hall in Prague and Lincoln Center in New York. Dr. Kibi is internationally renowned as an authority on the organ music of Johann Sebastian Bach. He has performed the complete cycle of Bach organ works in a series of 18 recitals and is in constant demand as a Bach recitalist and clinician. His recent recordings of the complete Bach works on historic Baroque organs in Germany have been welcomed with enthusiastic critical and audience acclaim. Thanks to generous support from Dr. Barbara Furen-Sloat in honor of J. Barry Sloat, the University of Michigan is offering Dr. Kibis recordings of all 270 Bach works as free internet downloads. And in this conversation, Dr. Kibi talks about uh, this project to go to Germany and record all Bach's works on uh, Bach's period uh, instruments and put it online to listen for you uh, for free and download and enjoy. Besides all this, you will also find out more about uh, uh, Dr. Kibi's personality and his teaching style and performance and practice style too. Uh, he is such a generous individual, and I hope you will find this conversation inspiring. Let's go to the show. So, Dr. Kibi, I'm so delighted we're finally having this conversation. We met uh, um, uh, many, many years ago, and uh, actually, the, before we even met, I've heard about your legendary Bach recordings that you put on online for everyone to listen to. It's a real treasure. You're so generous with your ideas. Thank you so much and welcome to the show. Well, thank you. And I want to tell you that the, all of the recordings are online uh, thanks to a wonderful donor that the University of Michigan had, Dr. Barbara Sloat, uh, provided all of the money to make those recordings precisely so they can be offered free as uh, internet downloads to everybody. Right. So it, it's really her gift. It's amazing gift, really. Before there were uh, YouTube, right, Facebook, Twitter, before they had the blogs of any kind, there was Dr. James Kibbe with, with this tremendous series enormous series of hundreds of Bach's works, right? <laughs> uh, recorded on historical uh, European significant organs of the Bach time, right? That's even more That's important. Right. Yeah, so, original Bach organs in Germany, yes. Right, right. So we're going to talk about this and your recent discoveries about Bach and, and what you discovered and presented at the National AGO Convention, right? In Houston. That was fantastic. So... Uh, but before we end and uh, before we dive deep into this topic, uh, Dr. Kibi, can you share with us uh, 
How did you fell in love with the organ originally? Well, I think it was the same way that most organists get interested in the organ. It was in church. And as a child, when I went to church, I mean, I'm sorry to say, church is not all that interesting for young children sometimes. And the most interesting thing was the organ. I happened to go to a church where you could see the organist, you know, and I think that that really uh, is where most of us develop a love for the instrument. Mm-hmm. Yes, and if somebody really introduces you, demonstrates the the the, the instrument, lets you touch and play with your hands and feet, uh, shows the bellows how it works, it's tremendous impact for the young person for a long time, right? For a long while. Oh, I know that that's true. If young people can just be allowed, exactly as you say, to touch the organ, to try it out. It doesn't matter if they can play, but just to experience the instrument. If you can bring young people together with the organ, the instrument sells itself. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know uh, uh, I was first, uh, first uh, um, aware of your name, of your reputation a long time ago when I and my wife Oshira, we were applying for organist position in Ypsilanti. No, I think it was, yeah, it might have been in Ypsilanti Congregational Church. Do you know this church? Yes, and do I remember that you played a a work of Eben, or or perhaps you were planning to play a work of of Eben, a movement of Laudes for... Mm -hmm. Uh, a program by the Ann Arbor American Guild of Organists. Yes, Is that right? yes, yes. Cool. At, at, the time, at the time, uh, at the time, uh, I, we were studying with Dr. Pamela Rotrafinsky. Yeah, Pamela, yes, I remember. Yeah. Yes, and that was amazing. Uh, I think Festival of Modern Organ Music or something that uh, right. that Ann Arbor um, put together. And uh, yes, Osher played. Uh, I think uh, uh, variations by Eben on the hymn tune Good King Wenceslas. Wenceslas, yes. 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 And I put, uh, I think, played the uh, movement from Laudes. Laudes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At St. Francis Catholic Church. Exactly. Which is, uh, exactly. wonderful Letourneau organ in Ann Arbor. Yeah, wonderful. Wonderful. Uh, and, you know, um, when, you, when you say that in the church you originally discovered the organ, that's, that's completely true for many people, right? They, they go okay. into the church and they sometimes look, uh, look to the altar. And if the organ is in the balcony, they sometimes even don't bother to look unless they, they um, uh, you know, go, go out of the church, right? But in some cases, in many cases, the organ is up in front. So, do you remember what was the first organ that you saw? Well, I'm afraid it was not even a pipe organ. It mm-hmm. was just a, a little, very poor electronic that was in our uh, family's church at that time. But, you know, for a young child, I suppose you don't really know pipe organ or electronic. You know, it was just, it was that wonderful instrument and seeing someone play on two keyboards and pedal board, you know, that, uh, 
for a child, I think that's just really interesting. Mm-hmm. And especially when somebody plays the pedals, right? And exactly. and you observe, it's it's a real magic for for people. Yeah. Although we as organists now probably uh, say to others that play playing the pedals is not that a big deal, right? There are many more important aspects of uh, organ playing that are more difficult, I think. Don't you think? I think so too, Would yes. Yeah. Yes, I think. But for people who have never uh, experienced this instrument before, especially when somebody is playing up in front, it's it's magical, right? It's really magical. So, Dr. Kibi, uh, what happened later? How did you develop your lifelong interest and passion for the organ and chose this as your career? I think the same way that most organists do, I really feel it chose me. It was something that I knew that I wanted to do and Uh, like a lot of musicians, I just had to figure out how to make it possible. You know, how how do you make a living doing what you want to do anyway? So, this Vitas, this is such a great gift in life that we have. We get up every morning looking forward to what we're going to do that day. You know, I have friends who uh, have really very good jobs, but it's only a job, only a way to make money. And for us, we are, our job is doing what we love and what we'd be doing anyway. I couldn't agree more. You know, it's it's like a vocation. It's like a purpose of life, right? We have, we have this tremendous calling, right? Our life wouldn't be complete if we couldn't touch this instrument for a day. Imagine for a week or a month, right? You are right. Yes. We, we don't function well if we don't touch the instrument. We, we are, you know, we are jumpy and, and uh, um, you know, grumpy sometimes to others for no reason, right? But just because perhaps we didn't practice today. One of the things that I do frequently is meet with prospective organ students, students who uh, perhaps come to the University of Michigan even before they audition or apply just to learn about what it might be like to study organ at a university. So they will often come maybe as high school students with their parents. And I always ask the parents about how it happened that their uh, son or daughter became interested in the organ. And almost always the parents say, we have no idea. (laughs) There was no one in the family who was an organist. We don't know where this came from. The parents are very supportive. They think it's wonderful. But so often, I, I say it, it's like the instrument chooses the musician mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right and regardless of nationality of religious affiliation political views right yeah. uh, yes, ge- exactly. ge- gender it's totally uh, egalitarian instrument right uh, very universal and uh, let's say democratic right and expresses the ideals of, of real western society civilization in the best way one of the great things about being a musician is that you can leap across the boundaries that divide people. Mm -hmm. Boundaries of, as you say, nationality or race or culture or economic background or 
uh, religion, the not just the organ, but all music brings people together in fundamental ways. And as a musician, when you experience that, that's one of the most important things about uh, being a musician, in my view. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, um, so many, but, but sometimes uh, organists are divided, right? Some people love uh, to play Frank uh, slowly, And some people love to play Frank faster, right? And the issue of tempo is like a like a political views, uh, left or right, right? Sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> or registration I, with mixtures yeah. or without. No, right. but I think you you're right to focus on tempo. I, I have often joked if I could email Bach one question about any piece, you know, just one, mm-hmm. I would email him, you know. Uh, Herr Cantor, could you send me a metronome marking? <laughs> of course, the, the metronome had not been invented for Bach. But if I just know approximately how fast it would go, that would tell me so much else. It would tell me something about the registration that would be appropriate, about how much temple flexibility, about how you might play ornaments, about Uh, so many of the aspects of interpretation. And of course, the point is, we don't have that, uh, particularly for a composer as old as Bach. Uh, there is just so much we don't know and never will know. Excellent. Fantastic, Dr. Kibi. If we had this chance, this opportunity to email Bach, uh, maybe, uh, do you have any idea what would he reply? <laughs> I think that he would not think of there being only one way to play the music. I think the for Bach, what he wrote on the manuscripts, uh, what he probably taught his students, was more a general vision of the piece, a guideline. And he would think many of these details were not the business of the composer to specify, but were the business of the performer, of the interpreter. Yes. So in box time, there was a range of possibilities. You might choose to play an ornament on this measure. You might choose not to. If you choose an ornament, it might be one version of a trill. It might be another. That uh, flexibility is a feature of all music, but particularly of German Baroque music, partly because the organs were also different. So what you would do on one organ might not even be possible on the organ in the next church or the next town. So that that, that range of possibilities is built into our Baroque music. Definitely. He was such a, a tremendous, uh, fabulous character, uh, Herr Bach, and um, complete example of, of what it meant to be a universal musician for, for the time, right? Many people, uh, sometimes they disagreed with him, right? But many people looked up to him, right? And uh, be, just like today, right? Bach is alpha and omega, yeah. right? Uh, for music, right? <laughs> Do you know who said that? Do you know that that's a quote? Bach is, it, is the alpha yeah. and omega. That's Rager. 
Max, Max Reagan, okay. Yeah. And it's we c- celebrate 100 years of uh, yes. Reagan's death to this yeah. year, right? Exactly, it's the Reagan centennial. Yes. Centennial, fantastic. So, um, Dr. Kibbe, I'm very curious. Um, how did you discover Bach? Do you remember? I know that one of my first teachers had me learn some simple works of Bach, but then. I th- because this was long before there was an internet or anything like that. So I got the music that I learned by going to a local music store, and there was several big drawers of organ music. And I remember even as a child going there and looking through and thinking, oh, what music do I want to buy? What music do I want to work on? And there was a volume of, I think, fairly simple Bach works. And I bought that and uh, took it to my teacher and said, could I work on some of these? And I think that probably really began what now, of course, is a, a lifelong passion, as it is for most organists. I think all organists tend to love and play Bach, you know? I haven't met an organist who wouldn't love Bach's music. Yes. I met a, a musician who wouldn't uh, like to, to, you know, listen or play Bach's compositions. Yes, but organists, well, it's really difficult to imagine because really, uh, as Max Reger said, uh, Bach is alpha and omega. <laughs> right. So, uh, f- through the gifts and talents of your teachers, you were introduced to the treasures, right, that Bach wrote a long time, 300 years ago, right? Yes. What, what happened next, Dr. Kibbe? Uh, how did you develop your um, lifelong pursuit of, of playing all Bach works uh, on historical German instruments? Well, I had had the idea for many years of playing the complete works and I finally did it in a series of 18 recitals at the University of Michigan in the year 2000, which was the 250th anniversary of Fox. And at those recitals, I would uh, talk to the audience before the recital began sometimes. And at the final recital, someone in the audience asked me, uh, do you have any plans to record? And while I really had not consciously thought of it, I just instantly said, oh, I would love to record the complete organ works of Bach, but if I did it, I want to do it on original Baroque organs in Germany. And for, oh, probably six years after that, I looked for a way to make it possible because it's very expensive. No record company can uh, really afford the to, to uh, pay for the cost of the recording technician and the travel and the church rental and, and all of the costs uh, that come with making recordings. And I certainly was not going to do it unless the the quality, the audio quality was just as fine as it could possibly be. So it was finally when this wonderful woman, Barbara Sloat, approached me about uh, doing this project that, that we were able to put all of the pieces together and make the recordings. I recorded the complete works over a period of three years. 
uh, on seven different uh, organs in Germany. Mm-hmm. Well, th- uh, thank goodness that um, your wonderful donor, your your patron, basically uh, yes. c- came along and and made this possible. If not, if not for her, um, you know. It, it's hard to imagine. Well, today there are means to do this. Um, if you have a good fan base, for example, uh, good um, social media followers, and I, I'm sure you do, you know, or you have fam, uh, fans all over the world, and amazing, tremendous reputation, and you can raise money through uh, f- um, microfinancing financing platforms yes. like Kick. Kickstarter, right? You you can you can ask for uh, for support from your real fans. You know, give 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 me maybe ten dollars, and you will receive MP3 download. You know, or yes. or, or or a physical CD if if you donate more. And if you donate even more, I will I will send you the entire series. Or if you donate to me a thousand, I w- I will allow you to come to inaugural recital of you know something and the prices go get bigger and bigger and <laughs> and one of the biggest prizes you can offer uh, you know would be uh, a private dinner with with, with you uh, uh, this donor would come to you to your, to yeah. let's say an arbor and have a dinner a chat and even a private concert you could play you know or if if they donate 10,000 for example well, you can even travel to their city, <laughs> right? <laughs> Anywhere. So there are possibilities to do this today quite successfully. And artists of any, any nationality are taking advantage of this. Um, but in the year of 2000, there was none possibility right none yeah but we all have to be just as you say we have to be entrepreneurs we have to be in charge of our own uh, careers i'm amazed uh, uh, dr kibi that that um, not only not only you decided to record those works but you decided to release them for free you know to to hear share i'm sharing this this gift right that you receive from your donor and you are sharing it freely to the world what what inspired did did you get any doubts about that uh, business model let's say no and i realized that although i wasn't getting income from selling recordings I got so many more benefits by doing it this way because the recordings have reached so many more people than if we were selling CDs. I mean, seriously, how many boxed CD sets of 17 CDs of the Organ Works of Bach could one sell? I mean, it's it's not very many. Uh, I don't know how many works have been downloaded from the from my box website now but years years ago we passed the one million downloads well that's that's a real uh, star level let's say Um, not too many musicians of pop style right pop culture can surpass one million and they all strive to do one million but uh, it's like platinum record right Uh, but uh, for organist it's it's a rare rare uh, occasion that i don't know very many people who can who can 
um, even say that they had one million uh, views, viewers or listeners, you know. So what you did is very wise and uh, pioneering idea well ahead of time. All right. Well, and the, the, our donor, Barbara Sloat, uh, I think wisely pointed out that after a while, the works are everywhere. You know, they're, they're not only now on my website. They have been, they, they're available through the uh, commercial license, you know, and people can download them, can uh, disseminate them. So they pop up all of the time on other websites. Uh, one of the things I didn't expect was that a number of filmmakers have contacted me for permission to use a recording as background music for some scene in a film, and that's fun. It's it's very interesting to see the different ways that filmmakers have used it. So so they are now much more widely available than just one website. And when you record everything that Bach wrote for the organ... Uh, filmmakers can choose not only the Toccata and Fugue in D minor, right? Yes, they can yeah. choose some obscure uh, Neumeister chorale that nobody real really you has. No, that's right. right. You know, you're you're right that those are the. It's the unusual works mm-hmm. that that the filmmakers have centered on, and one of them actually did request a Neumeister chorale. So <laughs> you are exactly right. <laughs> right. So real pioneering idea you are you are thought leader for a long time dr kibi for our entire profession and um, did you have any backlash from the colleagues about that no not at all not at all and i get emails all of the time from people i mean literally around the world uh most of them just, you know, saying, oh, this is great. Thank you so much. But also uh, emails from organists asking about, now, why did you play something this particular way? Or, you know, asking a, a question about either interpretation or something having to do with the organ or the organ registration. And I like that. That's one of the wonderful, I didn't expect that. And that's one of the, the nice things about having this uh, website in these recordings is having contact with other organists in oh some time ago i had an organist from sri lanka who emailed and uh you know i was so ignorant i didn't even know there were pipe organs in sri lanka and he sent me a photo of him and his church choir in their church with their organ and that was was a learning experience for me Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. did you receive any mainstream media attention too for doing this project i had a great uh interview with the bbc in london and that i I was very proud of that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, because uh, let's face it, organ is not a part, uh, particular center of cultural activities of the world, right? It's very niche, niche thing uh, for people with huge interest, perhaps in the instrument. But um, sometimes um, mainstream media is not even aware of what great treasures are out there. Seven centuries of organ music, right? And uh, that you got noticed and uh, and discovered by by the BBC, it's it's it fantastic and of course it gave you further boost right for for, for the promotion of, of this project too. And here in the U.S., 
one of the great uh, missionaries for the organ is Michael Barone, who has the wonderful radio program Pipe Dreams. Exactly. And that is now uh, distributed to individual radio stations across the United States. So, so many uh, people in the U.S. hear and experience organ music thanks to that uh, syndicated radio program, Pipe Dreams. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've I've seen your your name pop up uh, many times on 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 pipe dreams, mm, and really Michael Barone is uh, what what can I say about him other than that that he is he's doing such a tremendous service for the profession right uh, for uh, there is no other radio program like that in the world right. Which, which trans- transmits two hours of weekly uh, organ, tremendous value of organ music, plus great introductions. He he, sort of uh, he um, is a great um, uh, let's say curator of organ music and picks and chooses right what is worth of the airtime right. So of course, not surprisingly, your 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 efforts got recognition and uh, nationwide and worldwide through internet too. Well, and Michael doesn't only play familiar repertoire and known composers. He explores the margins of organ music and has that knack of introducing it to the audience in a way that they relate to it and appreciate it. Well, of course, if you do this long enough, like Michael did, yes. <laughs> uh, after a while you run out of of, of uh, mainstream masterworks, right? Maybe so. <laughs> and then, and then you have to figure out very deeply what yes. can I offer next Sunday or or Sunday after that, other than that, uh, than uh, well-known works, right? <laughs> and of course, new composers are constantly writing new music, and uh, uh, strange organ cultures of uh, obscure countries, right? Like Sri Lanka, uh, yeah. it's not obscure at all, but you never knew, right? What happened? And maybe there is organ culture there, worth listening to and worth paying attention to that Michael okay. Barone can discover in the future. So, Dr. Kibbe, um, it's interesting for me uh, to go a little bit deeper into this project that you did with Bach and can you share a little bit how could you fit all that, you know, thousands of of notes into your your head and fingers and hands. <laughs> That's very very difficult. It's a lot of work. That's all. <laughs> you know, I tell my students that being a musician is ten percent talent, ninety percent hard work. And I I had played much of this music for oh many many years. But even so, there's just a a lot of practicing and a lot of working to. Uh, master it all and not only to learn it but to learn it essentially all at the same time so that you you, you can record it as, as i did over a period of three years but at least you know you you, you have it 
under your fingers all at the same time. By doing so, Dr. Kibi, you went into the league of the great masters like Helmut Walha and, uh, let's say, Marcel Dupre, who pioneered probably this this um, uh, marathon, let's say, of, of all Bach recitals in the U.S., or first in Paris, then in, in, the, in, in the U.S. So, yes, he said, I think in his memoir, that he had to have all Bach works under his fingers and feet, which which is unusual for any concert artist and normally uh, people have maybe two hours of repertoire under their fingers at most right for for you know for their season let's say and then they they new learn new works and then they switch and they go back and forth but what you did dr kibi is is very rare many many people would want to do this but are afraid to do this I, i'm sure but a number of many organists have played the complete works of Bach. I, I hear from uh, organists now, you know, that, that perhaps uh, have done it as a series of recitals at their church or at their college. And I think all of us have the same experience that the audiences have been larger than we expected. That it's a very popular project to not just have a Bach recital, but to offer an audience the opportunity to hear the complete works of Bach. And I, I hear from organists that they, when they started the project, they didn't imagine how large and enthusiastic the audiences would be. So I think that speaks, actually speaks wonderfully for our instrument, for the organ, but of course it speaks for Bach most of all. Well, yes, um, we as organists perhaps are afraid to offer, you know, uh, one style of music or one composer of music for entire hour or even more, right? But if you go deep enough, if you offer 18 recitals in a row of one particular composer, it's it's like going uh, through the dip, right, and uh, arising victorious, right, where uh, you know uh, there is a there is a challenge, right. Not too many people jump over the dip, right, um, like like the crest of the of the wave and breaks, and many people are sort of um, stuck in 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 the bottom there and quit. Did you have any 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 idea of quitting that project? In the middle? No, 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 <laughs> no. Of course not. <laughs> That's a, that would be unusual. Did you? Uh, uh, by the way, did you have any other marathons like that in the past before Bach uh, Bach project? So. That's very interesting because it turns out I'm a runner. I've been running for many years and I, I don't claim to be good, but I do claim to take it seriously. I train with a running group in Ann Arbor. We have a coach and uh, I run typically maybe two marathons each year. And the, the coach of my running group told me, and I think she's right, that having run marathons, having run the, the long race, uh, in a way gave me the tools that I needed to undertake this Bach project. Because she pointed out, first, you, you, you have the confidence to know you can undertake a really big project and complete it. But you also learn what's involved in planning some big project and doing it. And you know, if you're a runner, you have 
uh, various training schedules and, you know, over a period of months to prepare. And she thought that I probably relied on some of the things I'd learned from running to plan the, the Bach project. And I, I think that's probably correct. Mm-hmm. Tremendous, tremendous ins- um, insight, uh, Dr. Kibi. Because uh, let's face it, everything you do and the runners do is uh, essentially a mental activity. You, you're fighting your mind basically, right? Which says constantly, "I have to quit, 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 r- stop running." Right? It's it's nonsense. I'm I can't, I can't, I can't. And you. You can, right? <laughs> This is, you're, you were right, yes. My, I, my students, I think, get tired sometimes of my talking about the similarities between running and music, but there is one huge difference, is that music is creative. It's artistic, perhaps, in, in a way that uh, something like running is not. And that, that is what engages the spirit, ultimately, is not all of the difficulties or all of the things that you're you're planning it is that it's great art when you're finally finished you, you have created something so extraordinary um oh but running can be artistic enough you can use your left foot and you can use your right foot too yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> great amazing so dr kibi i know this project uh, It happened a long time ago, right? Like 16 years ago. But your interest in, and passion in Bach never ceased, right? And you rediscovered something very new, very recently, right? About uh, Bach and how it can be used in liturgical settings, in, in, uh, in concerts, right? And you presented this at the National AGO Convention in Houston. Can you share well, us a little bit about that? You know... I am not a musicologist. I'm a performer and a teacher. So what I presented for the American Guild of Organists convention was not my own research. I was summarizing the recent findings of the really great Bach scholars like Christoph Wolf, mm-hmm. George Stauffer here in the U.S., uh, and others. And always I rely on the perspectives that I got from the wonderful uh, Bach scholar and teacher, Peter Williams, who Mm -hmm. passed away earlier this year and who had coached me on uh, performing the Bach works. But what I offered for the uh, American Guild of Organists convention was a sort of, I said, a shopping tour for organists of some of the recent discoveries, either works that have just been discovered in the past few years, or in many cases, works that were known, but were long thought to be by someone other than Bach, and recent discoveries have shown that they are now uh, authentically Bach. So there are uh, several new works that we can welcome back into the canon of the Bach Mm -hmm. organ works. I'm going to go back to Germany in about two months, and there are four uh, additional works that uh, I did not record when I recorded the complete works, and I'm going to record those on the Trost organ in Waltershausen in Germany, and then we'll add those four additional works to the website of the, of the uh, complete works of Bach. Oh, 
please let me let me know dr kibi when when you do this i will be um very very grateful for you uh, to 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 share this information with me so that I can share this with my network too. Oh, of course. I'll look forward to it. With organists from 89 countries. Yeah. Wonderful. Great. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's such a rare opportunity to, to discover new Bach works or, or known Bach, no works that earlier were thought by not Bach, by being not Bach, right? And as you say, suddenly they appear in the canon again and uh, people all over the world can can play it again and, and enjoy as real Johann Sebastian Bach treasure. So, Dr. Kibi, um, what's next uh, in your plans? Of course, uh, you are leading this fantastic organ department at the University of Michigan, which is one of the top schools in the world for, let's say, uh, for the organ. It has a tremendous reputation. So uh, I know the uh, fall semester has started for you, right? Uh, how, how do you feel about this new school year? Well, it happens that this term I'm on sabbatical leave so oh, I, it's I kind of interesting that I'm not teaching this fall but I have a wonderful colleague Kola Owalabi who yes. also teaches organ and we have two uh, visiting faculty who are teaching uh, this term because I'm on sabbatical and uh, Vincent Dubois who is now one of the titular organists at Notre Dame in Paris mm -hmm. is a continuing visiting artist uh, for our department. So next uh, May, we are taking all of our organ students to France. We, you know, okay. Rather than bringing Vincent Dubois to Ann Arbor to teach the students, we're going to take the students to study not only with him, but with some other eminent uh, French artists, and the students are going to play one or two uh, group recitals while they're in uh, France. And so that that's a focus of our work this year. Isn't that great that the uh, entire organ department can go abroad to this field trip, right, to the treasure of treasures in France and learn from the real, uh, you know, instruments themselves, N not only by the masters that live there today, but also from the instruments that they read and uh, listen to and adore, right? And they can touch and, and make pictures and selfies, <laughs> right? And it's not only the instruments and, of course, the acoustics, but it's also the culture, uh, you, you know, sitting in the cafe and having a glass of wine or a slice of cheese. That's all part of the experience of understanding the, the music. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you feel the cheese right, you can feel the music a little bit differently <laughs> and um, understand it even like Frenchman a little bit does, right? And with more freedom maybe of expression. I think so. I which, believe it. Which we... Yeah always need when we interpret French music specifically mm -hmm. so of course when you said about this field trip to France um, I remembered that uh, last uh, uh, June this, uh, this June the entire organ department from uh, Yale Institute of Sacred Music came to Vilnius yeah. with Dr. Martin Jean 
And in here we are, we are sharing those ideas with you too. So it's a real creative adventures and coincidences, which perhaps are not coincidences at all, right? I think you're right. Right. Yes. They lead to bigger things and new beginnings. So, uh, Dr. Kibbe, uh, when I think about your life work, your life dedication to the organ profession and uh, University of Michigan in particular and uh, the works of Bach, can you go back in time when you first started as a teenager, right? Um, and uh, is there any one thing in particular you wish you knew uh, when you first started that might have helped you then? I wish that I had paid much more attention to improvisation. Oh. I think that I'd, I'd, I studied improvisation, beginning improvisation, and I think that I thought at the time, oh, that that's not really my thing. Maybe I'm not too good at it. And I realize now it was only because I hadn't studied. I hadn't really practiced and learned and perhaps gone and studied with a master teacher. Now, looking back on that, that was a mistake. I, I should have not only uh, learned how to perform all of the master works of the repertoire, I should have paid much more attention to, to being an improviser. And I tell my students this, you know, I hope they will not make the same mistake. Uh, and in fact, at the University of Michigan, organ improvisation is required at all of the degree levels. Mm -hmm. And my colleague Kola Owalabi teaches it. And it is remarkable how that opens up so many doors for the musician, you know, not only in improvising, but also in playing uh, works of all composers. Oh, North German organ music. You must be something of an improviser just to play North German Baroque music, for mm -hmm, example. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Improvisation is like a, like a, improvisation is really a point. Uh, in When you play a repertoire, you have to be aware that majority of organ repertoire composed up until let's say 1800s right were composed as a model for improvisation yeah. and composition as a model for future generations perhaps for for the students of the composer uh, just just a model to 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 follow the, their footsteps so to say that's right I, that's absolutely right And uh, Dr. Kibi, it's not too late, I would say, for you to, to, to enjoy the art of improvisation because, because you are on sabbatical, right? And you are not teaching. So, so you have. You're going to give me one more thing to do. I, can say I know, I know. Um, but seriously, uh, um, uh, when we have those uh, experiences in, in, in our first years when we didn't do something in the beginning, When we have time, maybe after retirement, maybe when you have really more time in your days, you can come back to this and uh, create music in the moment. 
and uh, you will discover that you you know much more than the beginning student know more because you are a master of a very similar field organ performance right but so important for young students to investigate everything you know not effort for the young students nothing is lost anything that they investigate anything that they are interested in bears fruit in some way sometimes it, they they think oh this is a this was wasted time this was a sideline i'm not going to do anything with whatever interest it was and 30 years later it, it bears fruit in their lives so i think it's important for particularly young musicians to uh to investigate everything if a student says to me oh i would like to do this thing or this other thing i can't choose should should i do one or the other mm-hmm. i always say do both do, both. do everything you know do everything. Uh, later in your life is time to specialize mhm mhm that's right you as a teacher probably it's 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 wise not to restrict one's interest and curiosity just to one field at the beginning and say no you won't play italian music because you are specializing in in dutch music right no you you are a learner for lifetime right and maybe there is time for both Thank you so much uh, Dr. Kibi for for your tremendous insights. You're very very generous. And can you tell us uh, how our listeners can find you and your work online? Well, the URL for the uh, Bach website is a little bit complicated. So I think the easy thing is just to Google Kibi K I B B I E Bach. And if you do that it will uh, come up instantly. But the uh I can uh, email you the URL and you can uh, include a link if you wish. Of course, I will include uh, uh, the link to your website to the U of M organ department of course yes. and to the to the Bach project that you did yes. and, and and people all over the world can go and listen if they haven't done this already. I know many many people have done 1 million right so <laughs> you you don't need an account or a password or anything you can download one work or all 270 there are two different audio formats there's mp3 which frankly is very disappointing in terms of the audio quality because we worked so hard to get just really fine audio quality so there's another download format that's still compressed but is uh, much richer than mp3 so you but you have your choice Yes, I'm sure uh, we'll do that and uh, and I wish uh, Dr. Kibi you keep inspiring people, keep coming up with new ideas, keep pioneering the field of organ playing in so many ways that we even can't imagine today. Well, you're very kind. Thank you, Vitas. It was wonderful to talk with you. You are amazing <laughs> gift for for us, for the organ profession, but not only for organists, for the humanity, I would say too. Well, you're kind. Very nice. And thank you so much for inviting me to talk on your program. This has it's been a lot of fun. It it was really and and this uh, this hour went so fast, right? Uh, and like like a good recital. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Amazing. 
If you liked this conversation, I encourage you to visit my blog Secrets of Organ Playing at organduo.lt where you will find lots of insights, practical advice and training for every area of organ playing. You can subscribe to this blog for free to get your daily dose of inspiration and to be the first to know when any of my future podcasts roll out. I hope to help you reach your dreams in organ playing. I'm Vidas Pinkavichus. Thanks for listening and I'll catch you online really soon.